Hello and welcome to the third podcast in this series. So far we've explored the relationship between the First Templars and Freemasonry, and then the early Masonic Knights. Today we continue by exploring the uh, modern Great Priory from 1895. The Masonic career of His Royal Highness Albert Edward, Prince of Wales, ought perhaps to have set down in a previous podcast, but as with the beginning of this one, he takes up supreme office in the United Orders, we may be forgiven for the delay. Like other Royal Freemasons who have figured in history, the Prince was initiated abroad. It was in Stockholm in 1868 that he was admitted to the Nordiska Forster Lodge of St John at the hands of Prince Oscar, soon to be King of Sweden. He was once passed through 10 degrees of the Scandinavian Rite. In the following year, he was appointed past Grand Master in the United Grand Lodge of England, and only five years later was enthroned as Grand Master, and as First Grand Principal in the Royal Arch, in succession to the Marcus of Ribbon, also in 1874, he was advanced to the 33rd degree in the ancient and accepted rite. In 1886, he became Grand Master of the Mark Grand Lodge. He continued to rule over the Craft, Royal Arch and Mark until he ascended to the throne as King Edward VII on, in 1901. The Prince, as we have already noted, was present at the Grand Conclave in May in 1870 and stayed for the Malta ceremony. It could be that his membership of the higher degrees in Sweden was regarded as having qualified him to attend, or perhaps he had been admitted to two degrees at sight, or at a private meeting convened by the Grand Master, William Stewart. When he was installed in 1873 as Grand Master of the Convent General, it was his first active Masonic office, although those in the Craft and Royal Arch would soon follow. In 1863, at the ball given by Apollo University Lodge of Oxford, the Prince of Wales and his young bride, Princess Alexandra, were received under an arch of steel which can only have been formed by the Knights of the Cour de Lyon encampment. As he surveyed all the craft and Templar regalia around him, one wonders whether he could have imagined the role which was about to be his in the years to come. He ruled as Sovereign of the United Orders of England, Scotland and Ireland from 1895 until 1901, and thereafter became Royal Grand Patron. His death in 1910 ended 40 years of service as a Knight Templar. It is worth mentioning that he had in 1881 been appointed Bailiff Grand Cross of the Sovereign Order of Malta, that in 1888 he became Grand Prior of the Order of St John and was thus probably unique in concurrently holding high rank in three orders derived from the Hospitallers. Henry James Fitzroy, Earl of Euston, was elected and installed as Grand Master on the 8th of May 1896. He was the eldest son of the 7th Duke of Grafton, but predeceased his father, who lived in the patriarchal age of 97. Lord Euston was of royal descent because the first duke had been the son of King Charles II and the Duchess of Cleveland. 
His Masonic responsibilities ranged widely. In 1887, at the age of 39, he was appointed Provincial Grand Master, and in the following year, Provincial Grand Superintendent of Northamptonshire and Huntingdonshire. In 1894, he also took over the Mark Province, which included Bedfordshire, and also the Mark Province of Leicestershire and Rutland, having become pro-Grand Master in the Mark some months previously. He had already been enthroned in 1889, 1892 and 1893 respectively, as the ruler of the Royal and Select Masters, the Order of the Red Cross of Constantine and the Allied Degrees, and, in the ancient and accepted rite, he joined the Supreme Council in 1895. In all these offices he continued until his death at the age of 64 in 1912. In the United Orders, however, he resigned from the highest office in 1907 to facilitate the election of the Duke of Connaught, who at once asked him to be his pro-grand master. He spared no effort in carrying out all of his duties, and it was said of him that at his passing that he would be remembered for his kindness, genial presence, his broad and politic view of all matters submitted to him, and that he was a firm friend, faithful brother Mason, and a true gentleman. It was during Lord Euston's grand membership that England, Ireland and Scotland agreed to hold annual meetings to discuss questions of mutual concern, and also agreed henceforth that the Great Priory would be free to pursue its own course. These have continued to the present day, usually held alternately in London, Dublin and Edinburgh. In 1905, a deputation headed by the Grand Master attended the Triennial Convention of the Grand Encampment of the United States. The visit led to a Concordiat, and in 1907, both the United States and Canada were represented at the annual conference of the United Orders. On subsequent occasions, similar visits have been exchanged, and it was always a great pleasure to welcome our brother knights from America, both at Great Priory and in our preceptories. His Royal Highness Arthur, Duke of Connaught and Strathern, who had ruled the United Orders in Ireland since 1878 and had a long-held office as Provincial Prior for Sussex, was in 1907 invited to become the Sovereign of the Orders of the Temple and Malta in the United Kingdom. He was also elected Grand Master of England in the succession to the Earl of Houston. He had been Grand Master of the English Craft, first Grand Principal in the Royal Arch and Grand Master of the Mark since 1901, and had been a member of the 33rd degree of the Ancient and Accepted Rite since 1878. In December 1918, the Orders gave thanks for the ending of the First World War, very appropriately in Temple Church, London, and the sermon was given by the Master of the Temple. Great Priory created a president in 1922 by convening the chapter house at Durham Cathedral and by attending with all the knights in the habit of the order a service in a splendid cathedral. In 1928 a meeting was similarly held at Liverpool. The Duke of Connaught's long and devoted service to Freemasonry in general is so well known that it needs little elaboration here. 
but he must have uh, derived special pleasure from the consecration and dedication in 1933 of the new Freemasons Hall in Great Queen Street. His retirement in 1939 from all high Masonic offices at the age of 89 marked the end of an era and his passing in 1942 was widely mourned. On the death of the Earl of Euston, Richard Loveland, the great Seneschal, was appointed pro-Grand Master. He was succeeded in 1920 by Major General Thomas Pladel Kelly, whose death in 1932, the Earl of Harwood took office. Henry George Charles Lascelles, 6th Earl of Halewood, was on the resignation of the Duke of Connaught in 1939, elected and installed as Grand Master. The husband of Princess Mary, the Princess Royal, he too gave service in a wider Masonic field. As the head of the Craft and Royal Arch from 1942, as the Provincial Grand Master for West Yorkshire in the Mark from 1929, as the Supreme Grand Ruler in the Order of the Secret Monitor from 1932 to 1936, and as a member of the 33rd degree from 1936. His passing in 1947 was keenly felt throughout English Freemasonry. George St Vincent, 5th Lord Harris, the Great Seneschal, was elected and installed in 1947 in succession to Lord Haywood and was Grand Master of the United Orders for over 25 years. Like so many of his predecessors, he was a dedicated Freemason. He was the junior Grand Warden of the Craft and Grand Scribe Nehemiah in the Royal Arch in 1927 and became Grand Master of the Mark in 1954 and also served as Inspector General for Kent in the Ancient and Accepted Rite. He was held in great affection by all and there were many expressions of regret when advancing years decided him to retire in 1973. Until his death in 1984, he maintained an unfailing interest in the United Orders and sent many kindly messages through his successor to the Knights at our annual communications. A memorable event during his reign was the convocation of Great Priory at York in 1957, which was followed by a service in the Minster. It was again to the Lord Great Seneschal to whom we look for a successor in Lord Harris and Lieutenant Colonel John Laitman Byrne Lester Warren, who was elected and installed on the 16th of May 1973. He was Provincial Grand Master for Cheshire in the Mark and was member of the Supreme Council for the Ancient and Accepted Rite. Sadly, his tenure of the Grand Mastership was all too short when he died on the 10th of August 1975. The very eminent knight Harold Still, Great Seneschal, acted as Grand Master until his election and installation as such on the 19th of May 1976. High in the councils of almost every order and degree within English Freemasonry, he brought a wealth of experience to the office and has ruled wisely and well, earning the acclaim of every knight in the orders and the affection of those who have been so fortunate to meet him. We've mentioned his place at the head of the ancient and accepted rite, 
and it is a peculiarly happy uh, circumstance that, that the orders of the temple and the rose crow, which were at the commencement of our story, were so closely related, are again so very nearly linked. A most significant change early in his reign was that the word Masonic was restored to the full title of our orders. It may be recalled that its deletion when the Convent Journal, uh, General was created in 1872 was a matter which arose uh, with unfavourable comment. Once again, we gratefully became the United Religious, Military and Masonic Orders with our status clearly defined. Also among the alterations were some relating to clothing, arms and insignia. Perhaps the most interesting to the Knights of today being the withdrawal of the privilege enjoyed by our forebearers of carrying a pennon. They continued until 1972 statutes that provision that, optionally, a knight could bear a swallow-tailed pennon of red and white in the proportions of the ribbon of the order. Preceptors and knights above that grade were entitled to carry a banner of 26 inches by 30 inches, argent, a cross pâté, charged with the personal device of the knight. It was this provision which was revoked in 1976. One reads in the archives and in the minutes of half a century or so ago what must have been quite colourful scenes in Great Priory, and also within preceptories. There was a recommendation in 1897, for instance, that every preceptory's banner should be brought or sent to Great Priory Convocations and there displayed. It is recorded in the early 1900s that when a provincial prior, newly appointed, came to pay homage to the Grand Master, he was introduced to the sound of trumpets and was preceded into Great Priory by his provincial sword-bearer and banner-bearer. From a paper written by A.J. Collins in the uh, 15th anniversary of King Edward VII Preceptory number 173, it is learned that in the 1920s, it is past preceptors certainly provided themselves with banners. Its meetings took place on the eve of Great Priory and in the temple which was already laid out for the following day, with the banners of many distinguished knights already in place, as well as the standards of numerous preceptories adorning the walls. The membership of King Edward VII, including trumpeters with their services, are now in demand for chapters of Great Priory for the fanfares which are now the responsibility of the great organist. In 1977, a most extensive tour was undertaken by the Grand Master and Grand, uh, Great Seneschal Brigadier Geoffrey Galloway, which comprehended in Sri Lanka, Singapore, Hong Kong, New Zealand and every province in Australia. The report thereon made fascinating reading and the Grand Master was, as he put it, made aware of the great strength of the bonds of the order. Those bonds were not weakened when, in more recent years, the provincial priories in Australasia became sovereign jurisdictions. In an era when so much has been implied about Freemasonry and imputed to Freemasons, and in particular that craft and Christianity are incompatible, it is something of a relief to be able to record that Great Priory has been able to follow the uh, precedent set out in the 1920s under the Duke of Connaught and renewed under Lord Harris, 
by offering prayer and praise in our great cathedrals. In 1980 at Wells, in 1984 at Lincoln, and in 1989 at Worcester, the Grand Master was joined by large numbers of knights. On each occasion, the proceedings began with a special convocation of Great Priory in the Chapter House, at which a most interesting paper was read. The knights then processed in full regalia into the nave for a service in which its members of their, and their, of their families and of the general public were welcome participants. The visit to Wells was unique significance to the Grand Master for his ancestor, Dr John Still, had been Bishop of Bath and Wells from 1593 to 1608, and the procession into the cathedral passed the prelate's tomb at the foot of the chapter house stairs. This event will be repeated on the 11th of September 2021, where the next great priory church service will once again be conducted at Wells Cathedral. It is given to few of us to be able to see into the future. We go forward in faith, with hope of achievement, and with the charity that, that becomes a Christian knight. Let us not forget the past. We honour our founders and those who, whose courage and vision have through the century guided our progress. We shall need as much courage and we must pray for as much vision as the Templar and Molder banners led us into the years ahead. Well, that concludes this third podcast. As ever, I hope you've gained something from it and it stimulates your interest in the order. In the next episode, we will look at the history and development of our ritual. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, everybody. Until next time.